Hey Hoosiers, welcome back to the All Careers Considered podcast hosted by the Walter Center for Career Achievement, which is the career services center that specifically serves students and alumni in the College of Arts and Sciences at IU Bloomington. We are on a mission to help you achieve career success by supporting you in your pursuit of impactful experiences, designing your life, sharing your story, and building meaningful connections. My name is Sophie Todd, and I am a peer coach for the Walter Center for Career Achievement, working with an amazing team of undergraduate students who you have or will hear from in other episodes of this podcast. You may have heard that you can do anything with the College of Arts and Sciences degree, and I'm here to show you that that really is the case by interviewing alumni to ask them where they are now. Next up for our first episode of Season 6 is this week's interview with A.J. O'Reilly. A.J. is an artist and designer extraordinaire who works for the startup Stage Time as the director of product. A.J. also owns Griffey's Art Supply, an art supply store in Bloomington, Indiana, and he teaches design at the IU Media School. A.J. has more than 10 years of design experience, six of which he spent as a freelancer. A.J. also graduated from IU with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Graphic Design and then with a Master's of Fine Arts, also in Graphic Design. I had an amazing time talking with him and learning all about A.J.'s career path, his design process, and how his College of Arts and Sciences degree turned into a career in the arts. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I know that you will all find wisdom and insight in what A.J. has to say. Enjoy the episode. Well, AJ, thank you so much for being here with us today on the All Careers Considered podcast. You're first guest of season six, which is super exciting. So um, we're excited to talk to you today to kick off our season, which is all about careers in the arts. And who better to talk to about careers in the arts than you who seemingly does it all. So we're really excited. I know that you're a Midwest-based designer. You teach at IU. You own a local art store. You do work with lots of clients. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about what you do and what you are currently working on and some of your current roles. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. The question of what do I do, that's a really good one. (laughs) So what I've currently been saying is that I, like you said, I'm the founder of Griffey's Art Supply, which is an art supply store here in Bloomington. I'm the director of product for a startup called Stage Time, which is essentially, it's essentially like LinkedIn, but for performing artists. So it's, you know, a way for performing artists to network we're building tools for them to use, things like that. So I'm the director of product for that. And then, like you said, I also teach uh, at IU as well. Awesome. So when you were like growing up, was art something that you were always interested in? Or was it like a bit of a like soul searching before you realized that was your passion? No, I think it was it was the opposite. So really, I, you know, thinking back on it, it's like, oh, yeah, I used to like draw magazines in the living room, like as I was growing up and like, you know, constantly drawing and painting and doing all those things. And then when it came to high school and, you know, getting into figuring out, well, what are you going to major in? It was like, well, I'll major in marketing. That makes more money than the arts, right? (laughs) So (laughs) uh, came down to IU with the idea that I was going to go to the Kelly School uh, and be a business student. And when I filled out all of my electoral classes, they were like, you have a lot of art classes in here, not knowing that that was not really what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the career advisor that was in there was like, you're not an art major because like your parents want you to be a business student. I was like, no, 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 no. My parents want me to be an art major. They think it's crazy <laughs> I'm doing business. And so he was like, I, he's like, you should do art. And so I switched even before coming to IU into the arts and, and really have never looked back since. Yeah, that's really cool to hear because a lot of people will go through like the process of like 
changing their I am one of those people changing their minds yeah. like a million times about what they want to do but it's cool to see that you've found something that you liked even when you were younger and you've been able to like make that into a career or several in your case Tried it seems to, like yeah. yeah so how have you like used your degrees your art degrees that you've gotten from IU like in your and especially like in the College of Arts and Sciences how have you used those degrees like throughout your career and after graduation and also like your master's degree as well yeah so I mean, really being a designer and being a graphic designer, right? The the main thing for me is this idea of iteration and, and constantly, you know, trying things, scrapping them, starting over, trying again. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've pulled in everything that I've done. So when I think about, you know, businesses or startup ideas that I've had, it's that process of design that I've gone through every time. Now, it's not just doing the type and making the logos and making the website look great. That's all part of it. But it's that iteration part that I think is the biggest thing that I've learned through my degree at IU and being able to critique work and take critique and just, like I said, iterate and scrap things and start over and try all sorts of things. That's really the biggest thing that I've pulled from my degree, both the BFA that I have and the MFA that I have as well. The MFA really came about with the idea that, hey, maybe teaching is a thing that I'd like to do. And so let's go get a degree and try it and try teaching as well. And then if I decide that that's something that I want to do longer term, I have that in my tool belt and I can get a job as a you know, an adjunct professor or as a visiting professor or a tenured professor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you bring up an interesting point about like design process. And I'm wondering, I'm not an artist in any way, shape or form. So I'm wondering when you take on a new project or you take on a new client that you're designing for, you mentioned iterating, but do you have like a process that you follow every time? Walk us through like what the process looks like when you take on a new client or project. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like listening to the client. Right. And so like even in my current role as director of product, it's really listening to users, mm -hmm. figuring out like not really what they want, but like what they need. Mm -hmm. Right. And and trying to piece that together and and figure that out. So on the client side, it's the same thing. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, you you did a marketing campaign for somebody or you did a website for somebody. It was like, yeah, that's what it kind of resulted in. But really, it was like. I help them get a little bit more time in their business and be a little bit more efficient. And that's really the design project that I had. So that process really starts with sketching and iteration, and whiteboard sessions and, you know, talking things out. And then it gets into building something that you can test. Uh, I have a sort of a bias to action. So I always want to, like, do something really quickly, just build something, get it out, test it, see if it works. And then from there, I can come back and I can iterate a little bit. I can scrap it completely. I can tweak things here and there. And that gets me closer and closer to somewhat of a final project, even though are things ever final, really? Yeah. You know? But constantly sort of iterating through that process is, is the big one for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you work with clients that maybe you like don't know much about the field that they're in or that you like just have no knowledge about what they do or like what their needs are, how do you go about like learning about the client, learning about what they need from you? Yeah. And those are my favorite clients to work with. So my favorite clients to work with are domain expertise founders. So when I'm helping people build apps or really brands or anything like that, really, I like working with people that are really, really knowledgeable in their industry and what they're doing. So that's where my current role uh, came about was that I worked with StageTime for a freelance client first and really learned about the performing arts industry through working with that. I've worked with companies that are doing things in beekeeping, companies that are doing things for nonprofit financial statements and stuff. I don't know anything about finances in, in the nonprofit grant world, right? Mm -hmm. But like being able to 
synthesize what people are saying and what they need and then come up with a solution. That's sort of where I live and what I like to do. And so that process and being able to bring that process of iteration and trying things to that client is where that marriage comes in, right? Of, mm-hmm. of that pair of looking at this industry that I know nothing about, but being able to take everything else that I know and, and sort of produce something at the end is what I think I bring to that client relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think like clearly in your job, communication, collaboration are just like key, it seems like, especially, and then being able to take like feedback that you get from clients or from users of apps seems like really, really important to that job as well. So I think you touched on like how key those skills are Mm -hmm. in your job. I want to talk a little bit about your teaching and how did you get interested in teaching and decide that you wanted to go back and have that in your back pocket? Yeah, this is a great question. You know, as I was freelancing in between, really in between careers and freelancing that ended up lasting for like six years, teaching was always something that I did sort of on the side or that I did for fun or or that I do sessions on like, you know, how to build your brand or like what to look for in your website. And I would, I would do that with local organizations or, you know, through Southern Indiana and really looking at like that as a it was part like a marketing tool, like, oh, I can get a bunch of people in the room and then maybe they'll buy a website, you know, they'll buy my services from me. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into like these things that I was like really just enjoying doing and, and kind of doing it for free. And so I was like, well, maybe teaching would be like a thing that I like to do. Like, so that's that's really where it came about was mm-hmm. was just getting up and doing lectures or doing teaching or presenting things and really enjoying that and enjoying working with students, whether they be sort of undergrad students or professionals, you know, in that regard. So yeah, that's how it came about was really just like doing it little by little and doing Mm -hmm. it for like one group here, like the Chamber of Commerce or a nonprofit organization and like teaching their people about design or or brand or websites or stuff like that. What is your favorite part about teaching undergraduate students in particular? (laughs) It's pretty humbling. I'm not old in any way, I don't think, but it's really funny to me that I get a sense of like, I mean, it's like 10, it's like 10 years difference or 15 Mm -hmm. years difference. And it's like, it's a world of difference in terms of like technology that's used, like what people grew up on. I was talking to somebody earlier this morning where I was like, you know, having the art store, we have an online presence. We, we have an e-commerce site. You can buy things on our e-commerce and you can pick it up in store, which seems really obvious for like 20 year olds now. But mm-hmm. like when I had did my undergrad here, like there was no Amazon, there was no like e-commerce, like you had to go to the art store and stand in line with like a hundred other people and like get your art supplies. I think we've made that a little bit more efficient, but like that's the thing that I like teaching undergrads with is because it's like they, like a lot of folk, a lot of the students like grew up on the web, which is crazy. It's interesting for me being a lover of print design and, and things that are printed mm-hmm. and also living in the world of startups and tech and digital and all that and to try to bridge that gap a little bit. But yeah, that's what I like about about undergrads is that it's it's sort of, it's a, it's a nice experience to, to either A, be like, oh, I'm still kind of cool. Like I have, <laughs> I have some things that are like, that people find cool. And then the other side is like, I'm still using an app that, you know, nobody uses or something like that. Yeah. Do you find yourself like having to do things outside of teaching to like keep up, keep current with like what the undergraduates, what like the younger people, I guess, are like really into mm, now? Or Not really. Okay. I think I've pretty much just made a decision that, look, I'm I'm just not going to keep up with <laughs> yeah. it and that's going to be OK. Yeah. Um, you know, I still am a lover of like I have a letterpress at home and I letterpress print and and do stuff like that. And that's like the idea for 
that you're like taking an individual letter made out of wood and you're like putting it on a press and like making a poster out of it is like crazy talk nowadays, mm -hmm. right? Like you like it's an art form rather than like a but it was the production of means to make printed posters back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So um I've just made a decision that that's my niche. That's where I'm staying in. And so, like, I'm not going to learn how to do, you know, all of the TikTok dances yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a that's a fair choice. Yeah. Um, the the TikTok dances are are sometimes a scary place to be, I feel like. Yeah. So um, a good choice. You mentioned that you do, like, physical art with letter printing. And obviously, you're very much into digital art as well. What are the key differences between those two art forms to you? And, like, what are some of your favorite things about each of them? Yeah, I think so. The digital side for me feels very much like sort of the business of, mm -hmm. of things. And I mean that in the sense of like, that's where I live, where I'm doing things to make money and make a living and progress my business forward or something like that. Mm -hmm. With letterpress and doing things with my hand, it's really like that stuff's for me. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't sell any of the posters that I make, even though I, my wife tells me I should. But, um, <laughs> mostly because we have a ton of them sitting around, mm -hmm. but really that stuff's for me. Right. So that, that's the stuff that I do that I don't have a client for. I just get to play around and mess stuff up and, you know, cut paper and get dirty with ink and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that, that, that's really the difference for me. Now they, they inspire each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, using textures that I'm finding in some of that physical art world in, in some brand or website or design or layout in digital and, figuring out how that's inspired by layout of type on on a press. It does go back and forth. It's not a clear language, but it, it certainly is like sort of this this world I'm living in. Yeah, definitely. We talked a little bit about your choice to go into teaching. I also want to hear a little bit about your choice to um, open your own art store because that is a big change from the digital world as well. So yeah. how did you come to decide that, that, you, that you wanted to add that onto your plate? Yeah, I'd like to say that I didn't decide it kind of decided for me. <laughs> um, so if you if you are an art student that has been an art student in Bloomington for the last, gosh, th even 30 years, you remember there always being an art store in town. For a bunch of circumstances, that art store closed. And there was a, a point at which we were like, oh, that would – well, one, like I can't imagine Bloomington without an art store, mm -hmm. right? And two, it was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll buy that business. It didn't end up working out, but it was funny because it was like it it was like a three month thing where it was like, that's a shame that the business is going to close. We should maybe buy the business to like, ah, it's not going to work out. We'll just start on our own. And then next thing you know, we have an art store. I told my wife the other day, it was like, it was a year and a half ago. I was like, I can't believe we're like, it just sort of we just keep falling forward into it, mm -hmm. which is not probably the best way to do it, but it's been a lot of fun along the way for sure. Yeah. Are there any major lessons that you've taken from being a business owner? I mean, yeah. So this so it, it's interesting when I think about sort of my career path and the way that it, it worked, you know, that you have these sort of buckets that your career goes in. Right. The first one is that you, you're like trading time for money. So that's your like nine to five. That's your that's what I did. That's what you do right out of undergrad. You know, mm -hmm. you, you go get a job. A lot of people stay in that bucket and that's totally fine. Right. The, the next one for me, which I was kind of forced to get into by being laid off at a startup, well, laid off, I, I got fired, which is another story for another time. <laughs> but that forced me to start freelancing. Now that freelance turned into a six year career of freelancing, but that was the like trading, going from trading time for money and having a job to like freelancing and like making my own money and like trading, like doing like a service. Mm -hmm. From there, that 
that business transitioned into sort of a productized service, which is like, I do this one thing that's sort of bucketed and I sell it for a price. There's not like, cause in freelancers, like, well, what's your budget? We can work, we can do hours. You're, you're trading hours for money still in this next bucket of like productized service. You're like, I'm like, I have a website that I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build it. This is, it's going to have 10 pages and it's going to be this length and it's going to cost $5,000 or I build an app for you and it's $15,000 and we'll design the whole thing out. That's the productized service bit. And that was, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll stay in this for a long time. Cause like everything's clear. The money's really good. I'm having a ton of fun. And then when we bought, when we started the art store, that turned into like selling things and selling product. And it was like a whole new world of like, I have a bunch of pens at the art store and people are coming in and they're buying these pens. And like also being in a place where like we have employees that are doing the work that are at the store, that are managing it, that are interacting with customers. And so like it really was the first time that like I could be home doing something else and spending time with family and like a business could be making money on its own. That was the first time for me that anything ever happened like that. So it was a really big learning experience on like how to how to do that, how to manage it, how to grow it, how to, you know, everybody always says you got to work on the business, not in the business, right? Like it was the first time that that really was what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a learning experience into like managing part-time employees, like building the business, like thinking about strategy and like doing that. But I still, I mean, they'll be like, we'll buy something and I'll be like, this is kind of cool. Like these, these pencil cases are kind of neat. Like I wonder if anybody would buy it. Probably not, but I like them. I'll put them in the store and then they like sell. And I'm like, I can't believe people are buying this yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, like I can't believe that, but it makes sense because like, I mean, I buy it too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a really big shift of like, with freelance and running a services business, you're constantly like selling, right? You're like talking to potential clients. You have this like sales pipeline where you're like, oh, you need a website. I'm going to try to convince you to build a website with me and, and choose me. Whereas with the art store, it's like we have a bunch of pencils there. And if you like those pencils, you can buy them. And if you don't like them, you don't have to buy them. Like it was a, it was, it seems like a small thing, but it was a big shift in my head to sort of start thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing too, like as you're saying all of this, how this kind of connects back to like what you said earlier about your design process and like iterations is like the same thing seems to happen in your store. Like you put something out and you're like, will it or won't it work? And you've found sometimes it does and sometimes it may not. So I see how that like also connects back to your design process that you were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, I also think it's like just really cool that you you said that you just kind of like fell into owning this business because a business is such a big seems to me to be such a big undertaking that like falling into it is really impressive and being able to manage it after you just kind of like happened upon it is really cool as you were like preparing to open this business what kind of things did you do like to prepare or did you really just like go into it that's giving that's giving a lot of credit which I I appreciate yeah so Really, it was like the idea with the business was like, well, the art store in Bloomington, the current one, the previous one is shutting down. Seems crazy that Bloomington doesn't have an art store. And it also seems crazy. Like, like I don't know what the students are going to do. I guess they're going to have to go online and buy it, which is not ideal. This was like all these reasons. We're like, well, maybe we'll start one. And if we sell 10 kits to students in the beginning of the year, that'd be a success. We'll put mm-hmm. a website up. We'll, if we sell 10 of them, cool. We'll, we'll start this business. We'll grow it slow. We ended up contacting the university and of course this was like COVID was happening, but nothing was, I don't, I don't think everything was shut down quite yet. Actually, I know nothing was shut down quite yet. And then we decided to start the business and then 
the world went belly up and everybody was on lockdown. And so we were like, well, maybe we'll reach out to the school and be like, hey, these are the supply lists that we have. Are these correct? Because we want to put a kit together that students can buy. And they were like, can we have a meeting tomorrow? I was like, yeah, we can have a meeting tomorrow. I, I got on the phone with the department and they were like, okay, so because of COVID, what we want to do is we want to buy all of the students' supplies and then you can grab them, you can get them, kit them up, and then we'll give them to students. But but we'll pay for all of the supplies and then students will reimburse us. And I was like, oh, okay. And it didn't sort of hit me until after I hung up the phone that I was like, where we thought, hey, let's do 10 kits and that would be a success. It turned into we're doing 400, almost 500 kits for students. <laughs> our first semester out the gate before we even have a retail location. Like we're literally doing this while like we just came up with the idea to like officially mm -hmm. start the business like two weeks ago or something. Right. So it was really great timing. But again, I think going back to what you said, like that iteration process and that design process and not being free to start. Like we were just like, let's just do it and see what happens. And because of the willingness of being able to just do it and be there, like that thing came to us and we were able to start the business. And that's what sort of catapulted us to to the next step. And we've sort of mm -hmm. been doing that over and over again. So it was really interesting because it's like, did you have a plan to start the business? No, we were like, we were literally building the airplane while flying it, mm -hmm. you know? And because of COVID, because of a lot of things, it just sort of like worked out to benefit the business to where it would just, it made it a little bit different than what, it would have been totally different if we had started it two years ago. Mm -hmm. In this industry, you have to have a physical retail location. So our initial idea was we're not going to do retail. We're going to – it's just going to be a digital business and we're just going to sell to students. And then the industry, the distributors told us, no, you're not. You have to have a <laughs> physical retail. And we were like, well, we're trying to f do all this. Meanwhile, like my wife is pregnant. We have our, our son Fitz who's getting born. His birthday's in April. So this is like a couple months away. So it's like all of this stuff is happening. I'm still working a full-time job and freelancing a little bit at the same time. I just finished a degree. And so it was like all of this stuff. And they were like, you have to open a physical retail location too. So it was like, okay, we'll add it on. Let's go. So we just, you know, found the building, found the space, started building that out. And so that's why like the business started a year and a half ago, but the retail location has been open for about a year now. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that we had a plan, but – I mean, in all reality, we we kind of were making it up as we as we were flying the plane for sure. Yeah. Well, it seems to have worked out. And I'm also impressed that you started your business like when COVID hit, because a lot of times we've been we've been hearing like the opposite, like people have that plan and it doesn't doesn't work out. But like through your partnership with IU, it became a successful business that in just a few months had like a retail storefront. So that is really cool. You mentioned a few things about adding onto your plate and where you're just like, bring it on, let's go, like, let's add it. I want to ask the question that probably everyone's thinking, and that is like, how how do you do all of this? And also, you said that you have a son and a wife. So how do you do all of this and then still make time for like your letter printing or like your family? And like, how do you find that that balance? Yeah, it's something that I think I always struggle to answer because to me, it just feels so natural, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, Like, for me, as crazy as it sounds, like, the art store is something that's it's it's really like a hobby. Like I like it's fun for me to tinker. You know, we're we're starting to develop and make our own watercolors in house. We're doing our own watercolor pads and sketch pads, and so we're we're actually not just retailing product. We're actually making product too. Like that stuff's fun for me. Like that's like the, that's the design thing that I love. Like just creating stuff. 
the time just finds itself, I think. I do try to take really deliberate time, like family time and like breaks and like be like, oh, because like the other thing is like I don't work until 3 a.m. every night like doing work. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy sitting on the couch and watching Netflix and YouTube just like the next person. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a balance. And I, I tend to. I tend to know this about myself is that I, I sort of fill my plate and then I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have too much on my plate. What am I going to do? And then my wife's like, you have to cut some stuff. And so I end up cutting stuff and then it's like, oh, OK, this feels really good. And then I fill it back up again. And so I like this is process of like continuing to fill up my plate mm-hmm. over and over again, which always eventually gets me in trouble um, <laughs> for better or worse. But it's always been fun. And, and it's something that I that I enjoy doing. You know, I like I said, I, I think the art store stuff like that, like that's fun and it's like a hobby like the teaching is sort of it's fun for me so i do that whereas some people might you know have other hobbies like going to the gym or playing video games or whatever right like that's my recreation kind Mm -hmm. of so it's the thing that i i know i do that gives me energy it doesn't deplete me right so i almost feel like so to answer the question right i almost feel like i have to i have to do these things because otherwise I'm I'm going to be bored. I'm I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of like it's the thing that gives me energy. And so like I just I just keep doing it. So. Yeah, I think that's a, like the perfect story of like someone who has been able to like very successfully like turn what they love to do into like something that is also a living. And like that is something I think like everyone aspires to do eventually to like turn that passion and into a job that's energizing and that's more feels like more of a hobby than a job. So that's like really cool to hear. And I think a lot of people can relate to like filling up the plate and then just like being like, oh, crap, my plate is way too full right yeah. now. Like I got to figure it out and like cut back a little bit and like finding that balance, even though it's it seems to come like naturally to you. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that's like, at least for me, very relatable. So I definitely understand that a bit. I know that you were a student at IU, so I want to ask on a like fun note, what is one of your like favorite memories from yeah. your time at IU? So when I was at IU doing my undergrad, I was involved in the union board, mm-hmm. um, and that is that was it for me. Like that was the thing. Like that was un- unfortunately probably for grades. That was the <laughs> thing that I would do. Like that I was way more excited about than like going to class. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that I still you know I still go to the reunions. I'm still involved in union board. My wife and I met through Union Board. So, I mean, really, Union Board is like if anybody's like, well, what should I do when I go to IU? I'm like, you should get involved in Union Board, like for sure, 100 percent. So I I was involved in that. I did the Canvas Creative Arts Committee on there for two years. We ran an art magazine, art events like Poetry Slams and, you know, gallery shows and stuff like that. So it was really cool because it was like all of these, you know, all of these things somewhat come back to creativity and art for me. And so like running, like doing that with Union Board was super great. And then I, eventually I, w- I ended up being president of Union Board and then graduated after that. And when I think about like, what did I do in undergrad? Like everything comes back to Union Board, right? Mm-hmm. Like I met my wife on Union Board. My groomsmen, a lot of the groomsmen that were in my wedding were on Union Board with me. Uh, I still keep in touch with quite a bit of people from Union Board. So that that was for sure, like the thing that I did undergrad that was like, I couldn't imagine IU without it. And I think, you know, this university is so big and everybody always tells you when you come here, you should find your, find your group, find your, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, it's the people that you live on your floor and your dorm with. And then you end up being friends with them, you know, the next four years. For me, it was, it was union board. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm always like, if you can, and you don't find anything else that you're interested in, 
like try union board. It's got a ton of committees on it. You can find people that are like-minded that you get along with, and it's just going to shrink the university a little bit for you and just make it feel like a more of a, a smaller friend group rather than like this like huge campus that takes a year and a half to walk across. Yeah. yeah, I heard like when I decided to come to IU, like you can't make a small school big, but you can make a big school small. And I think that is like the perfect example of that. So there's AJ's endorsement for union board. Yeah. Everyone go join. You gave a little piece of advice about like joining union board or finding something that makes IU feel smaller. I want to ask if if a student wanted to like go into a career in the arts, what advice would you give for them as they're maybe like an undergraduate or about to graduate? Like what what advice would you have for them? Yeah, for me, it's all about in the arts, at least it's all about the fundamentals. Right. So when somebody's like, oh, you got to do like you asked, right, you got a degree in design. Like, what did you learn about design? And I'm like, I learned about iteration. You're like, well, that's not practical. Right. Like, I thought you were going to say you learn how to build websites and now you're like now you're a website designer. So I think any of the arts, like that fundamental ability to either A, be able to iterate, really be able to critique work and and take critique and and just like build stuff and try things. Like those are the those are the pieces that are are gonna be really hard to write about in a resume. But when you get out and you find something that you like working in, whether that's working in like I have friends that were in the arts as well that are like now they're teachers in Chicago teaching like math. Well that's doesn't seem like it's related to the arts at all, but their process at which they do it, I can draw the lines back and I can say, yeah, that was from those classes that you took. That's really how I think about how to use an arts degree mm-hmm. in, moving forward because it's it's really like you might go through the fine arts program like myself and be like, I mean, I love letterpress printing. Mm-hmm. There are not very many jobs in letterpress printing. And if they are, sorry to all my friends that do it, they probably don't pay that much. So I think being able to take that, though, and be like, I really like this process and and figure out what you like about it and break it down to those fundamentals and then be able to use that to sort of get a career or or be able to talk about a career. I mean, it was the same thing with Union Board because it was like, you know, we were like when I was running Canvas, I mean, we we would do an art magazine every semester. Well, the budget for the art magazine was like a couple thousand, it was like $10,000 and we would do the whole thing from start to finish, work with printers. And then when I got a job as a graphic designer, it was like, well, we don't need you to like work with the printers and like work with the budget. And I was like, I'm happy. I like working with the mm-hmm. budget and figuring that part out. So it was, it was also like a challenge of like being able to like talk about all the stuff that you're able to do and that you feel confident in doing, not coming across arrogant, but also trying to just say like, I like doing these things and I and I just want to do them. And I think it's that like, knowing those fundamentals and then like getting involved and just like starting to do things that kind of asking for forgiveness rather than permission a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice that I think a lot of students will find helpful, like the fundamentals and then being able to just like almost in a way advocate for yourself and try to like be active in deciding what you want to do and exactly like what you want to do, even if you think like you can do more than what someone else is telling you that you can do. So that's like really, really good advice. I want to ask as a final question to wrap this up, is there a moment in your career that stands out to you as a moment that you're like really proud of? Yeah. Well, so when I think back on my career to date, right, the thing that I think stands out for me that I'm like, I really, I'm really glad that I did that is just like starting things and like not being afraid to be like, oh crap. Like I worked for IU. So I graduated my undergrad. I started working for IU was really involved in design for IU. 
and then was like, I want to work for a startup. So I like went and got a job at a startup and that lasted three months. And they were like, essentially, you know, they hired me to do one thing and then they were like, now you're doing sales. And it's funny looking back now where I'm like, oh, I could totally do that now. But like at that time I was like, I don't want to do sales. And mm-hmm. then they were like, hey, you're really bad at sales. So you're, you no longer work at this company. <laughs> so instead of being like, oh crap, what do I, what do I do? It was like, well, let's just start freelancing. So when I think about like, I think that was the moment that I can look back on was the first time that I was like, you know, I could go try to find another job or I could just try to start something myself. And, and I've been doing that over and over again since then. And so I think that's, that's the thing that I'm really, I'm really glad that I did that. I'm really glad that I didn't go immediately go find another job or anything like that. So yeah, that, that, that might be the, the one thing that really sticks out. That's like the first thing, but then like, there's like, I could rattle off like 10 or 15 more of those that happened since mm-hmm. then. Right. Like, I think like what we were talking about with the art store, like driving past the old one and seeing that it was closing and being like, maybe we should start an art store. Like, that's crazy. Like nobody, nobody does that. And I realize nobody does that because when I tell people they're like, that's crazy. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, it just feels, it feels really natural, but I think it's because I've taken like baby steps along the way to be able to feel confident in being able to do those decisions. I mean, my dad always says he's, uh, people are like, well, what does AJ do? And uh, he's like, I don't know. He does something on the internet and I, I'm pretty sure it's not illegal. <laughs> and that would probably, that if I had to sum up my career, that's pretty much what it is. I, I love that um, saying from your dad. I don't know what he does, but it, something on the internet, it's not illegal. Also just goes to show like how much you really do. Like there's not, I mean, you can say you're a designer, but like you do so much. You're a business owner. You teach like this and that and all of the stuff that we've already talked about, you do it all. And that is just so cool. And to see that you hit an obstacle when you first started out and immediately like overcame that by just being a self-starter and just going and doing what you love is a really like in- really cool story. So we're going to wrap it up on that amazing note. AJ, thank you so much for being yeah, our guest you. starting off season six for us. It has been really, really fun to talk to you and to learn about Um, like these incredible things that you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah.